Okay, good morning. I want to first introduce Dr. Joanne Roberts, our Chief Value Officer. Thank you so much for uh, making the time to speak with us today on the topic of leadership in times of crisis, change, and uncertainty. Sure. Um, so, Daniel, I, I, I will go back to our our, our triad, our, our, our sort of our framework of leadership that I think Rod has uh, done so nicely to explain, and it's about <clears throat> great leaders have vision, they have courage, and they are about other people. And I think those things all hold true, but in a little bit different nuance uh, during times of crisis and disaster. So, for example, I think vision uh, becomes more about perspective and reality declaration. Uh, you mentioned how do you get teams mobilized? And I think part of a leader's job is being totally clear on what the crisis is, what the challenge is, uh, and that it's a genuine crisis. I mean, I in in quote normal unquote times, although there's really no such thing as a normal time. Um, in in relatively normal times, uh, leaders often try to create crisis, and that becomes uh, something that people push back on. So it's important that a leader make sure that people understand this truly is a crisis. Uh, I think that's, you know, I, I have been through, this is probably my third major crisis that I've had to work through as a leader. And all three of those, it was an easy, it was very easy to let people know that there was a crisis. Mm. Um, uh, one was a mass shooting, one was a mudslide, and um, and now this one. And I, personally, I didn't see a problem in mobilizing teams to action. Um, what I did see is um, sometimes leaders would quickly jump into management rather than staying in that vision space. Mm. And I think um, just like with a doctor being trained in crisis, the first thing to do as a leader in crisis is to step back, take a deep mm. breath, survey the landscape, have situational awareness, and then share that situational awareness um, with your people. That so. aspect of perspective and situational awareness, um, uh, Dr. Welling mentioned it as well, uh, that idea of being very clear, um, but having that big broad picture, um, really important around the vision piece. Uh, what, about, what about the courage component? So the courage uh, component is about perseverance. It's about um, optimism despite odds, and uh, and it's also be about dealing with your own fears. Uh, if, if most of us are honest with ourselves, we are scared too. Uh, sometimes we don't know what to do, um, and um, it's important as part of that stepping back, it's it's that advice we get on the, air, on the airplane, you know, put your own mask on mm -hmm. first. Take care of your own emotions, um, so that you can reflect that determinism and optimism that you've got to display um, to the to the folks that you work with. I mean, it, if we're facing a big challenge, it's going to be a tough tough road, and we have to be honest about that. But we also have to say, you know, we can do this, mm -hmm. and really believe that. Get yourself into that space, and you know, I think that's where people like Churchill. That when we look at great leaders in crisis. This is the courage that I think someone like Churchill or Roosevelt or even Eisenhower showed during World War II. With regards to putting on your own mask and taking care of yourself, 
Um, what have been some of the things that you've drawn on most to, to help you personally sort of stay focused and level-headed and, and able yeah. to lead? Uh, getting back into my meditation has been a big one for me and getting mm -hmm. plenty of rest. I know those sound, they sound mundane, but we don't, most of us don't do them with discipline. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to do them with discipline. In terms of maintaining optimism, despite all those odds, um, what are some of the things that you call upon to sort of help you have that? So some, this one, um, actually, I found this true during the mass shooting up when I was in Everett, and I found it true in this one. It's having, and, and I bet Lynn spoke to this, it's having a really, really small core team mm. that you can be totally transparent with and lean on. Um, we had that in Everett. I had about three people that I, we got through those three days um, by holding each other up. Um, during this crisis, Amy has a small team of about six people who meet every morning at eight, eight o'clock, and we are totally honest with one another. Mm. It's, it's the one time we can be completely transparent and lean on one another. That's the highlight of my day. Every day is my eight, my eight o'clock half hour. Hmm. Um, what about that component in that triad around other people? Uh, that speaks okay. to the team and or how do you yeah this this gets back into that don't overmanage um, yeah i think and and I, I i will say this is one that i think we are challenged during the current crisis uh in our organization i think everybody um there's a physiologic response to crisis um that if you really study it it's dramatic that the tunnel vision is mm -hmm. profound it's profound and it's hard to recognize unless you're looking for it. And that tunnel vision turns into micromanagement quickly. So you limit your perspective, you limit your options, and then you focus on what you think, me, me Joanne, what I think needs to be done, which often results in executives moving into a micromanagement space. Um, and it's dangerous. Um, you know, the, the people out in the field who are at the front line, all of our people have gone through training. They know how to manage disasters. There are few things they need from their executive leaders, and those executive leaders need to identify what those few things are and focus only on those things. Can you, can you say those, more? I was just wondering if you could say more about that. You know, how do you step back? I mean, what are those things that you recognize or tips you can provide others to, you know, pull yourself back, find yourself tunneling to catch you? Um, that sounds like it's a really critical skill. It is a really critical skill. And I think those of us who've gone through hospital incident command uh, training or in Lynn's case through um, combat training, um, understand that there there's a role for one person to mm. sort of be the to look at the whole picture all the time, there are plenty of people who can look at the details and in combat and in Hicks training, those people are actually, those roles are specified, but there's one person in the room whose job it is to just watch the process. And that's what I think executive leaders need to do. Now, <clears throat> and, I, and I'm, I'll drill down on the COVID crisis because I think there are some 
specific things that our system leaders need to be attuned to, but they need to define what those are pretty quickly. Um, so in COVID, it's been, you know, how do we as a system get personal protective equipment to the front lines? How do we as a system um, get testing capability set up quickly? How do we as a system um, set up our telehealth capabilities quickly? Some of those things really are system jobs that need to be done by system leaders, but most of the work is still at the ministry. So I think stepping back, don't overmanage, keeping that situational awareness view, understand the very few things that you need to be doing and, and then making sure that others are taking care of all of the rest. And then finally, um, about the people is, even in the acute crisis, be thinking about the post-crisis times. Mm -hmm. um, because in, we're starting to enter that with COVID now. Mm -hmm. We are going to see a huge influx of exhaustion and depression among our caregivers. And great leaders have been thinking about that for the last three or four weeks. Um, and thinking, how are we going to manage that exhaustion? How are we going to manage that depression? Especially the fact that COVID is not going to go away. We're just going to be living with it in a different way. Future, future forward, thinking ahead. Yeah. Um, Dr. Roberts, this has been uh, some really amazing uh, perspectives. What else uh, comes to mind or any other sort of lessons learned you might want to share? Sure. So um, I mentioned the tunnel vision and yeah. I, I would put that the tunnel vision I would put right at the top of my thinking because it is through all of the crises I've been through, tunnel vision thinking is number one. Um, it, it, it frames every other challenge. The second one, uh, the second most important thing to me is the exhaustion depression phase uh, needs to be paid attention to. And then the third other thing that I, I do want to talk about is how to manage the crisis as a change um, opportunity. Uh, you know, it's that don't waste a good crisis phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Be thinking of that really early. There's, there's a strategy over, it's, it should be kept over the side because you've got to manage the crisis. That's the important thing. But over on the side, you've got to be asking yourself, what can I gain from this crisis that I can use either during the crisis or later in the crisis or later in our trajectory to drive change faster. Mm. And just an example during COVID, Daniel, is during the first four weeks, a dramatic um, removal of our usual department, division, mm. barriers, uh, roles, people just dropped their job descriptions and said, okay, we all need to pull together to deal with this crisis. It was great. It was great. And we were all saying to ourselves, if we could bottle this time right now, super high trust, super high tolerance for making mistakes and backing up, apologizing and moving forward, it was great. What we're seeing is as we move back toward a more normal kind of behavior, we're starting to see those old um, silos come back up. And I think our challenge is how do we keep those silos down? So what are some anchors you can drop to keep us slipping that way? That is, 
I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying. I think calling it out. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the biggest thing we need to do is just call it right out and say, what have we done in the last four weeks that we need to keep doing? And here's what I'm observing. And I have been dropping that line frequently. Everybody says, you're absolutely right, Joanne, but it's easy to say and hard to do. Hmm. Radical transparency, trust. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's, it is hard. May, you know, it, 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 what, what I don't see in the literature and what I think is going to be phenomenal, fascinating is to see we're not going to be traveling probably in 2020. So life is going to be very virtual. And, and I'm wondering, are there opportunities as we have virtual relationships to keep that trust level higher? There'll be fewer after meeting meetings, put it that Mm. way. Mm. Yeah. That's a really interesting question. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, I think of those triads: the vision, the courage, um, support through other people. That uh, uh, not not overmanaging. Um, uh, that aspect around perspective and stepping back, tunnel vision, um, and that thinking ahead piece. That's uh, a really, I think, important and um, uh, profound perspective. That in the light of this crisis to be able to see a little bit further ahead somehow and you know um, think about how do we manage this as an opportunity uh, how, what can yeah. we gain from this yes yes and i think that's just true in all crises something else that i think maybe should we might mark it as a number 4 uh, okay. to the triad is the communication piece i think um, communication during a crisis is super super important and actually at least in my experience is actually easier mm. um, say more and uh, yeah um so in the in the mass shooting and in the in the mudslide scenarios we set up an incident command center and everyone knew what the incident command center that was a one hospital disaster uh, everybody knew what an incident command center was there for and half of the job of an incident command center is internal and external communication so managing the press, managing internal uh, communications. And there was a desire for transparency and there was a desire on the behalf of the receivers to receive communication. They wanted to be kept tightly informed. So there was a hunger for communications. We're seeing the same thing in COVID. Uh, It's a little bit different since it's a system-wide challenge and a nationwide challenge. But um, for example, we have been talking for more than two years about setting up a system-wide huddle. Um, And Amy set up a system-wide huddle about six weeks ago. I think it was six weeks ago today. Um, Every day of the week, 7.30 to 8 a.m., about 300 people get on the call. And um, we go through a really tight agenda of what are the hot topics for today that we all need to know about. And that call is as well attended today Mm. as it was on the day one. Mm. Uh, My guess is that that call is going to morph into a long-term morning huddle, uh, even after the crisis subsides. But there was a real desire, even though people had resisted having a system-wide huddle for years, suddenly there was a huge desire 
for a common conduit of communication. Yeah. Keeping that fire lit. It's yes. going to be hard. It will be hard, but it was great to see the desire to have it there when yeah. the crisis occurred. So on the topic of communication, this surfaces a lot. How do leaders um, inspire? How do they connect with? But also, I mean, how do they communicate what they need to know, that vision? Um, you talked a lot about uh, that hunger on the receiver side. Mm -hmm. um, but what can we do as leaders to um, make sure that hunger is met? Uh, I think we're still learning our way into that. I, I, I will just rest on what I'm observing right now and what I've read. Um, I think you really have to depend on other leaders uh, communicating as well. There, I think, as always, communication is multi-channel, um, multiple ways, multiple times. And um, so every day we have the huddle. At the end of the day, we have another operational huddle that's a little bit smaller. Um, we have messages that go out to all of our leaders, I think down to the core leader level uh, of once a day messaging. And those come from mainly from the regions. Um, and then the ministries are sending out their own messages as well. Mm. Um, mm. We're trying not to over communicate because, you know, you could just dump every detail into people's mailboxes. Um, it's a balance. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm not sure we found it, but I just, it needs to be called out as a super important issue. And it's something I learned in the shooting that it may be once the crisis has been well accepted and established and people are into dealing with it, communication may be the most important um, factor mm -hmm. in that first part of the, the response. Joanne, and I, and uh, I look at look at look at all the the time that Rod and Amy have been spending on external communication. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. She's on TV mm -hmm. almost every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a bit of an inspiration to see um, our clinical leaders uh, from ground zero at the front line and really um, our nation turning to Providence for yeah. for for guidance and leadership during this uh, pandemic, it's it's been an inspiration. We've really stepped up in a, mm. in a really positive way and, and, and it makes me proud too. Yeah. Which, and, and, and to be honest, Daniel, you know, people are not uniformly um, supportive of a leader who spends a lot of time on external communication. Nonetheless, it's crucial. Mm. It's crucial. Yeah. Joanne, I just recognize um, um, with all the plates you must have spinning, thank you for taking the time to to connect. Um, I mean, the the aspect around that triad, you know, with the little asterisks around communications, the, the vision, the um, stepping back and having that perspective, being able to force yourself to, how hard it is to, you know, not want to problem solve, but create perspective. Um, uh, share that courage and create optimism despite those odds uh, and that having that 
total honesty and transparency as that sort of core vehicle for trust. Um, and uh, how to take this or any crisis and being able to um, turn it as an opportunity to give people uh, something to view as that North Star. Um, and I, I, I really appreciate all these thoughts and, and, and insights you've shared. Um, any sort of kind of concluding thoughts or? Um, uh, well, just this is more basic and I think it's it maybe not for every leader to, but I think some leaders need to be reminded. I, I do think mm. this is a time to, if you're, if you're an academic kind of thinker to go back to Blanchard's situational uh, leadership mm. model um, and be thinking about how much more fluid one has to be on that situational leadership curve mm. during times like this. Mm. There is going to be more telling uh, than there is coaching. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean that's what you should be doing all the time, but there will be relatively more telling than there is coaching compared to usual times. Yeah, it's a great call out. Um, Lynn used a lot of the um, uh, military analogies, um, especially right now. People are so hungry uh, to help, they just don't know how. So having that real clear communication, really clear direction, um, and that, that fluidity on, on when to be really direct versus when to support, when to step back. Um, it's the art and science of being a great leader. Yep, yep. Joanne, thank you so much for your time um, and, and your perspectives. Uh, I'm, I'm very grateful. Sure, Daniel. And I will tell you what, I've got four um, HBR articles I, I owe you and I'll send them to you right now. All right, well, we'll do our uh, uh, due diligence to um, share that with the rest of our core leaders as part of this RISE platform and pathway. And uh, again, um, it's through the, the service and leadership of our clinical leaders such as yourself that uh, I think um, the bar has continued to raise. Uh, and so thank you very much for, for everything you do. Well, thank you. And it's a great time to uh, focus on our leadership development. All right, thank you. All right. Have a wonderful <laughs> right. day. You too. Bye-bye.